Hello and welcome to the Truck and Driver podcast. My name is Dougie Rankin and I'm joined today by Matt Island, who is uh, podcasting al fresco because um, it's actually a beautiful day. Someone has returned at the start of September. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned that you mentioned to me yesterday before we did this podcast. You had a stinking cold. How are you feeling now? Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of transgressed to a cough now and a bit of a sore throat. Um, so I did find a little bottle of Bell's. So I might have to just give myself a nightcap tonight just to help me sleep. Um, but it, it definitely seems to be improving, thankfully. But yeah, Monday was. Monday was pretty grim, so yesterday wasn't quite so bad. Um, so we should be up and running for the weekend. That's the that's the most important thing. So yeah, as it's so nice, got to sit outside, make the most of this uh, this late summer. So uh, if um, if there are any unexpected noises, that just could be the Suffolk sort of countryside, um, especially as mm-hmm. sh- sugar beet has actually started as well this week, which is incredibly early, uh, which I was very surprised at. So um, although is that good. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think they're just taking advantage of because it was such a, a damp summer, as we all know, uh, the beat are pretty big. So I think it's just a case of making the most of it and getting them out of the ground just in case the weather turns sort of thing. So um, and now two of my dogs have decided to start charging after each other. So I do apologise if, if I get clattered into by a couple of dogs whilst we're recording this. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's all right, but... We, we uh, don't mind don't mind a bit of a background entertainment yeah. going on. It's, uh, I, so what have you been driving? Because the last time I spoke, I think you might have been away on a, a European trip, uh, or was it? No, it wasn't. It was a kids' convoy. Yeah, uh, I can't remember the last one. We or was it both? Spoke. I don't know. I think I might have done both. I've been been to Greece and back in the van. I can't remember if we talked about that. Uh, then I've just been doing local work mostly. Uh, done a couple of days for MDF in Yarmouth. I've done um, a few bits and bobs for Normans in in the DAF and a few other few other people locally. Um, I, I can't remember when we last spoke. Um, but yeah, the the August Bank Holiday Sunday was the East Coast Truckers Children's Convoy which is the 36th year it's been held and it just it's every year it's just as good as the last it's uh, a really long tiring hard emotional day but it's just worth every minute of it i wrote about it last year and it's uh, it's just fantastic so if if people look ahead to next year just if you're uh, if you're about again just come down and ha- and give us a support for it sort of thing it's it's really really good so yeah, uh, Norman's Transport very kindly lent me one of their XGs to take part in, and uh, Young Ed, he's that was his truck that I used. He's very keen on keeping it clean and polished, so uh, he saved me an awful lot of work. So uh, thanks, Ed. Uh, really appreciate that, mate. Um, save save me a lot of a lot of hard work because as well, I got back in. That's right, because I'd done an international trip to somewhere. I can't think where. Uh, and I got back in late Friday night to then pick the truck up Saturday and then do the convoy on the Sunday. So it was a bit of a full-on week. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah. That's what, you, well, that's what you want. So you're going to be getting involved with... Um, uh, well, that's it. How did they get, how did they get on? Because there's, a, there's like fundraising and things involved with this, isn't there? It's... it's um, 
it, it's a big um, undertaking for all those people involved involved with us. It's yes. Like as soon as no sooner have they finished um, with this one, they're kind of planning next year's one as well. Absolutely. Uh, the the August briefing, uh, like the last meeting before the actual convoy of the East Coast Truckers Charity, um, the sort of main police motorcycle outrider came to give us his briefing and he gave us the news that this year due to police cuts and one thing or another he hadn't quite got as many motorbikes as what we've had before and for the first time ever we're gonna have to rely on cars um which clearly aren't as good um a lot of them aren't actually trained in escorting as well so he was going to have his hands certainly full obviously motorbikes can get around trucks either side of you um, to then get up to the next pedestrian crossings and zebra crossings to block them, so on and so forth. Cars obviously can't do it quite as well. And then on the day when we turned up, he said uh, it got to the week before the convoy, I think it was. It might have even been less than that. And he finally managed to blag another motorbike. So there was just about enough all going well for them eventualities to be covered, along with the cars as well. And it, I need to point out that all the police, all the ambulance staff, all the fire brigade... All of them also give up their time to come along and do this for free as volunteers. Um, you know, no, nobody's getting paid for it. They all do it off their own back. They they take take their own holiday up just to come and support it, which is truly fantastic. I didn't realise all. I knew the police did. I didn't realise that the fire brigade and all the others did as well. So a massive hats off to them as well. Oh, fair play to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh... yeah so l- luckily it went very smoothly. I believe. Um, it was uh, there was no major incidents last year. Apparently, the Acle Strait, which leads sort of out of Yarmouth back towards Norwich, was closed in the afternoon due to an accident. Um, he was telling us, which was looking like going to be a major disaster. But luckily, his colleagues managed to get the road cleared quick enough for us to get back out and not hold us up at all, which was uh, a bit of a godsend. So uh, it, it's it really does all go on behind the scenes, and like you say, the the, the planning and logistics of it all. It's, it just goes on throughout the whole year and it's all aimed, the charity runs not just for the convoy but they also raise money for disabled children's families, they've got a couple of chalets and caravans and things like that so they can go and have a nice holiday, you know if they're struggling with low incomes and things like that, they they can go and so it's, well, it's str- struggling, struggling with medium to high incomes yeah. they're struggling now, the price of, yeah. the price of things and in, uh, inflation and everything now, you know, it's not easy for Anybody. Not easy for anybody, no. I was, yeah, things have kind of jumped in price noticeably again. Mm-hmm. If you know, so, you know, because we obviously had that, the big cost of living thing, it was all kicking off over the last couple of years, but it seems to me in the last sort of month or so, we've had another noticeable sort of jump up, but it hasn't been like publicised as much. No. Uh, in the same sort of way, but it's just uh, it's it's certainly not easy not easy for people, especially if you're on like fixed incomes and yeah, uh, on a salary, thing. yeah, yeah, on a salary. You don't mm. have the scope to go and like uh, add to anything. It just gets diluted even even further. You know? Yeah, I don't know. and I've been noticing diesel's been creeping back up and up and up again as well, hasn't it? It's uh... yeah, but same. Yeah, both both petrol um, and diesel. I noticed that the, the supermarkets are. Um, been quite snidey with it as well. Like in a lot of cases, the supermarkets are their fuel's not even any cheaper mm-hmm. than the brand name petrol stations. And of course, the supermarket fuel doesn't tend to have any sort of additives package in it. Um, 
as opposed to um, the you know, your shells or BPs and SOs have got I've got like blends of like different things they add to the fuel, whereas this mm-hmm. ballpark is don't. That's the reason it's cheaper, but they haven't really been making it yeah. any any cheaper. I'm getting a bit, I'm not really liking the way that all the supermarkets. So you go to Tesco now and you've got to use your club card because if you don't, um, then the price you need it to get like the proper price for the products. Right. Do you use Tesco at all? No, I refuse point blank, especially uh, further reinforced on Monday when I was feeling particularly dreadful. I had to go and tip at Tesco's at Daventry. Uh, nine o'clock booking, got there about ten past nine, I think it was. Uh, I think it took Oh, them, no! Yeah, 95 minutes it took them to even start unloading the truck. And I just thought, if I had turned up at half ten for a nine o'clock booking, I would have been turned away, wouldn't I? And then another hour, I think it took an hour and a quarter. It's just under three hours to get a full load of tuna tipped. And to hold, I mean, being forced to sit in the driver's, or, you know, the waiting room again, rather than sitting in the truck when I was feeling like death. Um, yeah, you could even there. lie down and chill out and yeah. refresh yourself. But yeah. now you've got to go and sit in those horrible vinyl seats. Yeah, and, and potentially, uh, you know, pass on my cold or whatever it is. And, I mean, and... Not only that, and just to top it all off, and I did put this on Facebook, um, I had to endure Coldplay being played on the blooming radio as well. You know, that was, I think that was just, that really just destroyed my day. Like... <laughs> I mean, one song, that was enough. Um, you know, if, if I, as if I wasn't feeling bad enough, then, then along comes that. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I, I mean, generally speaking, I don't use supermarket fuel... Um, just historically people that I know um, and myself have just it's never your vehicle's never run as well you don't get as good a mileage by quite a long way it just seems to me still to be a false economy Um, I'd rather spend a little bit more and it it actually seems more cost effective in my humble opinion I'm sure a lot of people will tell me that I'm very wrong and I'm sure some people will tell me that they quite agree with me Uh, well I only tend to buy the the Tesco 99 Octane I've very rarely put normal E10 petrol in any any of the cars because Tesco 99 is good shit you can get um, the only super I don't think Asda do super unleaded if they do I've never seen it Sainsbury's and Morrison's is just 97 Octane but at least the supermarkets only put sort of about six, eight pence a litre extra on their super. Yeah. The, the, in, the independents sometimes are like 25 pence a litre more expensive. Crikey. Which is just price gouging. Yes. Share of bastards. But uh, yeah. what Tesco are doing now is basically you used to have your club card, which was like totally optional. You could like accumulate points on it if you're in there all the time. Yeah. But... They've changed it now, so it's club card prices. Loads of stuff is... The only way that you can get the deal on it is if you've got a club card. Right. Um, and, and it makes a hell of a difference. Like, it can put, like... It, it can make a difference if you're buying, like, 70, 80 quid off the stuff. It can take £15 off it. Oh, flipping but it. What it but, but it's a data-skimming exercise because they now know... What? That now links back to you, so they now know everything that you're buying all yeah. the time. I mean, so... I presume the club card is free, isn't it? Yeah, no, yeah, it's free. Yeah, like, you can get it. You, you can get it on your phone, and you've got like the 
the app thing on it, but it's a pure data skimming exercise. Yeah. Um, so they know everything about you, like what you're buying and everything like that. So, you know, when you're going in, like, you know, randomly, like, buy some weird shit to mess with them now and again. Yeah. Yeah. Good plan. <laughs> you know, occasionally, occasionally go and buy some uh, cat food, even though you don't have a, a don't have a cat. Yeah, but give it to the Cats Protection League, couldn't you? At least it's going to a good home. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's annoying, like, but they've stopped as well. They've they've cut right back on having actual people serving on the checkouts as well. Yeah, and they've cut back the um, the self service checkouts that that take um, cash. Like most of them are sort mm-hmm. of card only. Yeah. Uh, so it's annoying. So you can't deal with actual people and they want you to use your card and they're doing a data skimming exercise so they know everything that you you own so they can really profile the shit out of you. Yeah. Which uh, isn't uh, which isn't very nice, really. I don't really, not really all that into that. And if you just turn up and pay cash and walk out anonymously with any of that, then they don't have their, their precious data. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> Oh dear. But I mean, closely linked to the fuel, uh, as we discussed last time, uh, is our blue and the price of it. Um, and I, yeah. I had quite a few people message me after listening to our last chat about it. Um, and nobody seems to really pay any attention to the cost of it, which kind of surprises me as an outside, you know, as purely I'm just a driver at the end of the day, I'm, I don't run a vehicle. Um, and I don't know whether it's just um, complacency with the fact that when it came out, it was dirt cheap. Um, it didn't really cost much at all. Hang on, I've just got to help the dog up because he's elderly and he wants to get on his seat. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know whether it's just because of that. Get on there. Yeah, well, they didn't use a lot of it. No. A lot of it, and some trucks do use. A lot of ad blue now, yeah. um, which which is um, you, you know they're getting more ex- more impressive fuel economy figures than ever before. However, you do I you do I think you need to keep an eye on uh, your ad blue consumption. It's not going to be something that's that's um, going to be a deal breaker. I, I, w- I would think overall in the package of a truck. No, um, unless the price of it goes up even. Mm. Further, but what did we? Yeah, what were people? What were people saying to you then that they didn't really monitor that either? Well, but bizarrely, um, another Facebook friend, uh, Patrick Vestig, he because I mentioned the FH five I drove for Lubers seemed to absolutely drink it um, doing the night the night trunk, and he said that um, he had one as well, and it was much the same until it hit about thirty thousand miles, I think it was, and then it sort of calmed down and started to use a lot less, which seemed quite. Strange, really, but he'd spoken to the Volvo dealer and they kind of said, well, that's that's usual for them, which I, I don't know if anyone else has got experiences like that and whether it's true or not, I don't know. Um, and Dan McNulty, he also sent me a message. I think that's, I'm pretty sure it's an FH4, and I do apologise if it's not Dan. But, yeah, the um, on the Dynafleet, it does show the Ablu consumption um, at 6.4 litres, but I'm not quite sure how is whether that's per... Hundred miles, or, or or what the actual? I mean, the the trip log, the truck's done two hundred seventy-eight k, and it's used six point four liters of AdBlue. So, um, I don't know what the price is in bulk. I know it's obviously a damn sight cheaper, but I mean, at the pumps, you're looking at over a pound a liter now, aren't you? And it's it's kind of almost like a, a, a mini diesel tank, really. 
Yeah, I, I mean, all the hauliers will be buying it with, with the fuel card through like a special rate for it. But yeah. like like that, I think if it's coming yeah. through the pump, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. If you're buying it in those jugs, no, I think you're pay... buying like a gallon jug. You might be paying through the nose for it for yeah. that, like because it yeah. is really expensive. Um, somebody did did get in touch um, to say that they had managed to find. Well, they hadn't managed to find, they just knew how to do it. Um, they'd managed to get into the AdBlue on the Iveco S way. You can get into your AdBlue and it tells you on the screen there, um, there's his average fuel consumption, 8.3 miles per gallon. And then you flick over onto the AdBlue on his trip. So let's see what he did there. Uh, diesel fuel consumption, 66 litres, average fuel, 8.3. Uh, AdBlue used 4.6 litres, which is average AdBlue fuel consumption of 119.9 mpg. So it's then 120 miles per gallon on AdBlue. Yeah. Um, on 8.3 miles per gallon. So that thing's working pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, you would imagine mm-hmm. uh, getting that sort of fuel return. So the Iveco S-Way does have a gauge which tells you accurately how much that it is that using. I would imagine that, you know, there'll be a, most of the other ones probably do it. It's just not maybe as immediately yeah. obvious. And I, I, <laughs> I mean, I still don't have... Nobody's sort of said that anywhere they fill up, they've had to actually, you know, mark down how much ablu they're putting in trucks and stuff like that. I mean, perhaps they are and they just haven't, you know, haven't bothered to yeah. contact whatever. But, yeah, I like say I've... Nobody I work for monitors the ablu consumption or, you know... I don't have to note it down. Like with you know, with diesel, try and get a receipt, put the mileage down. None of that with AdBlue at all. No, a lot of the cases it's just a drum that's in the yard that's gravity fed, and yeah. you just fill it. Yeah. Um, and it's and just... you don't need to take any details of it. Um, no. At, at at all. I mean, yeah. I mean, it would be it would be interesting to it would be interesting to see to compare two trucks that are doing sort of trunk work. If they're broadly similar on diesel, what they're doing with AdBlue as well, mm. and how much of a difference that could make over the life of something. Yeah. Don't think it's like critical enough yet. The whole AdBlue thing, I was watching a couple of American guys complaining about it because they call it DEF. Right. Uh, it's called, D, it's called um, diesel exhaust or diesel emission fluid. And. They're complaining because all the all the all their plastic jugs come in a cardboard box as well, right? Which is just the stupidest thing ever. You know, it's just a complete waste of um, packaging. Yeah. Uh, and and um, they they were complaining about it, saying, "Is this actually good for the environment anyway? All this plastic waste for all these bottles and everything." And I've I've mentioned it before that I've seen t- uh, trucks go through. They've passed the MOT emissions test with the AdBlue system knackered, and it's been overlooked. And it goes through any it goes through anyway. So it's like, how much difference is this stuff actually uh, making? Yeah, uh, and I, the, overall, and, but I mean it, it's 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 here to stay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> from from what I understand as well, it it binds the particles together and stops them going up in the air. Now, again, I could be very wrong. So instead of going up in the air, they're just going back down in basically into the water system. So we're still ingesting them regardless. Ninth and tenth of October, I'm going out to go to Germany. Mercedes are launching another electric Actros. 
Um, the 600 version now, which will probably be like 600 kilowatts or something like that. Now, did did so, you see that Dixon's took one of their electric Volvos to France and back recently? Did they? Did you see that? Uh, yeah. No. 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 So Dixon's. No, Dixon's no, of no. so Dixon's of Ireland. Um, right. I, I think the truck loaded in Dublin, I believe. It then shipped from Rosslare, so directly into Cherbourg, I think it was. So, you know, didn't use a land bridge, so it was purely on a ferry. And from what I read, they had the option of plugging in as if you're plugging in a fridge to charge it, but, but they didn't. Um, and it tipped somewhere close to Paris or Paris itself somewhere, which in itself isn't a massive amount of mileage. And then they just had to find, I think, a car charger, just because the infrastructure's obviously not there. Um charge it to then head I can't remember where, I think it might have possibly tipped and reloaded the same place or close by um, but round tripped it you know fairly successfully as such although obviously having to use a car charger it's not perfect it's you know still viable as such but uh, you know we, we, we've talked to, we've talked about it a lot but there's, still, there's no still infrastructure convinced. in place yeah there's no infrastructure in place whatsoever the EV rally was in the go and I did have a little shot of a Mercedes Actros electric truck uh, on that I just did did like a um, short drive a few miles in it um, and yeah they were charging them at uh, Wallyford Park and ride over at Musselburgh on the east side of Edinburgh and there was a DAF LF on it as well and Mercedes and DAF were both there to prove a point to the authorities that there is no public on-road charging infrastructure whatsoever Mm -hmm. for these trucks yeah Um, it doesn't exist, and there's not like the the investment being made to go to go and uh, upgrade things to go and m- make it all happen. So yeah, I'm going to, to go and see another um, uh, electric truck. There's always a lot of big push from the manufacturers around it and everything. But say like yeah, again, we don't have the, the it's the infrastructure um, that's um, the the issue. When are we going to see them start? Uh, making serious efforts to to get this stuff um, in, into place, but it's not. It's um, when is it twenty? Is it twenty forty? Is the deadline for trucks? I think it is. Um, yeah, but you see, when the FH four was launched in twenty thirteen, I went to the launch um, day in Amsterdam with Mark Farrer from MDF because I happened to be there on tour and he was going, so he got me along there for the day. And we both drove, they had an FL, uh, the 17-ton version of whatever it, it was called at the time, FLE or, I'm not sure, but it was like an electric yeah. diesel hybrid. And it would be electric up until about 30 miles now. then the diesel would kick in. Um, but they just sort of never really, I, I don't know if anybody, if they went in production, whether people bought them, I've... I've no idea, I don't but know you know that. I don't that know what's be... going on. With, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with hybrids. Actually, whether it's the increased complexity of them or the 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 the, the, the cost or something. But yeah, I mean that you'd think that that would be a good solution if you've absolutely got to have no emissions going into city centres, even though you know it's been kind of proven that the trucks are cleaning the air. Mm-hmm. In, in the cities as they go any go anyway yeah it's good to, it's good to see Sadiq Khan having a lot of problems with his ULES zone in London because that was launched at the end of August just the other week there and yeah. that looks to have been a complete disaster you've got these um uh, the blade runners the guys who are going out and about um cutting down the cameras 
Yeah. I mean, obviously, we could never condone that sort of behaviour. <laughs> definitely uh, not. Terrible. Definitely not. Criminal damage and everything yes. like that. I mean, if if I saw somebody cutting down an ultra-long mission zone camera, I would alert the authorities so they could go and take appropriate action. Mm-hmm. You know, but yep. there's so well, many good. of these cameras are getting taken down left, right, and centre. Yeah, and it's gonna. I think the system's going to collapse because so many people are going to refuse to pay because the public aren't going to go and stand for this because nobody is. None of these politicians have been voted in on a mandate to go and like push all this law emission zone stuff through. I mean, and as you know, I do, I mean, I do a lot with mucking about with cars and 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 things. And this ULES zone, that I've got another car to go and rescue out of there. This will be, um, how many of It's all retired people. This will be the fourth car that I've brought. I've extracted from a ULES zone. Uh, I had the Cavalier Diplomat, which I bought from old Fred, who was 80. He couldn't put it back in the road because it wasn't compliant. Um, I had the Corsa from the retired fireman. Uh, and I've got another, I've got an Omega, which is another pensioner's car. And the problem you've got is, Can said that, oh, you can get like three grand scrappage uh, allowance for, for a new car. Well, how, like, OAPs are on fixed incomes and things. They don't want finance on a new car and in a lot of cases they've owned their cars for like 20 years yeah from you probably a lot lot of the time they're like Corsas and Fiestas and things little engine things and they use them twice a week and they do about a thousand miles a year and and now all of a sudden they're going to be charged £12.50 when they drive them so they use the car twice a week 25 quid you know as well over an extra grand they can't afford to go and do it so you get people say, oh, well, there's actually loads of cars that utilize compliant, but then it means that they've got to move away from having a car they've owned for a long time that they know inside out it's low mileage and it's dependable to having to go and buy another one that's maybe four or five years newer or a year newer, if you're right on the changeover, that they don't know as much about. There's maybe higher mileage, not in as good condition, and they've got to go and spend money on and it's just a complete scam. It's like what a, a, a one liter Nissan Micra uh, is not suitable for the roads because it's classified as a high pollution vehicle. Mm. It's like give me straight. I hope the whole I hope the whole thing collapses and can gets uh, booted out because he really has been useless for London. Yeah, um, he hasn't done anything positive whatsoever. I don't know what the alternative is. You know, London's just a. Uh, like a country on its own. Once you step inside the M25, it is di- it's different, you know. Yeah. It's got its own set of rules and regulations and everything like that, and it deserves better. You know, it's an, it's an incredible, diverse, amazing place. And God, with the ULES zone going right out, I mean, how familiar are you with Greater London? Uh, fairly familiar. I've done enough. Well, you know how, yeah, what surprises me is how green it is. Yeah. Because if you if you encompass everything that's in the M25, there's farms. Yeah. You know, there's acres yeah. and acres of green land and things. So you've got, like, people who live out basically in the countryside who have been told that their vehicle is now, like, ULES. And they're, and they're snidey because they put the cameras up at the end of cul-de-sacs and everything to make damn sure that they catch people with it. Yeah. Uh, so, and it's, uh, yeah, it's really not fair. The haulage industry has had... We had no um, 
hasn't been um, had any sort of thanks for all the hard work that they've put in to get to Euro Six in the way that they have. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. nobody's thanked thanked them for that. That was a tremendous effort by all the Hollyers to get up to that standard that quickly, and uh, no, nobody, nobody from the government gave them any assistance or gave them any help with it at all. No. Anyway, moving on, um, <laughs> it is September, a couple of more shows to go. Oh, yes. Uh, a couple of big ones. Uh, it's got one of your favourites is coming up um, this weekend. It'll have passed possibly by the time this podcast comes out. But it is, of course, the retro show yes. at uh, Gaydon. Yep. Which is uh, one of your favourite ones. On the calendar, so you're taking a truck to it this year? Mm. I am, yep. Uh, speaking of you, Les, <laughs> I'm taking a version 1FH12, um, the F16 that I borrow off my mate Richard is still being restored. Uh, the 143 I took last year is off the road, I think, for a bit of work, which it, it kind of needed because it was just being used by the workshops, so it was getting pretty manky um so my mate tim freeman who runs freeman freeman's freight he's just an an owner driver he's owned this fh from new and he's got an fh4 that he runs as a daily so uh, he's very kindly let me take his fh up there for the weekend so we'll be off is it still working is it it does is it retired now yes so it puts in the odd day here and there if, if if and when required uh, like if his truck's in for a service or anything like that, and he's got some work, old Puff and Billy, as as she's known, will will come out to play. So, yeah, <laughs> so so it's not it's definitely not fully retired. So it's um yeah it's it's ready for work essentially. So uh, yeah, yeah so, oh, so. I do like I, I was sitting in yesterday, um, a Volvo FM twelve at Western Recovery, a five axle heavy recovery unit. So it was originally an eight before. Yeah, and um, someday I'd added a um, pushing axle at the front of the front of the drives, uh, big, huge, massive like Boniface rotator on it. Um, beautiful thing. I think it was it was quite a late square headlight FM. Maybe mm-hmm. like a Y Reg, yeah, two thousand and two thousand and one. Manual gearbox and a, a sleeper cab. I just I just love though. That's I mean that, that that's my kind of favourite out of all the Volvos is the version one. Styling. Yeah. I love the steering wheel and the switch gear. Yeah. And them and like the the you know the dials and the layout. That's my that's my favourite. And I wish with the digital dash that they've got in the new ones. I wish they would do a skin for it where you could get like the where you could go through and get like the version one. Yeah. You know through all the different dials because it's a digital s- yeah. screen, so you could have whatever you wanted on it. But I was sitting in that truck, wide edge, forty two thousand miles on it. Wow, it still had all the grip on the steering wheel because it's a recovery truck, you know. Yeah, and that's it. That's the other frustrating, crazy thing about those ultra low emission zone things, as well with Glasgow, because in Glasgow you can't even pay to pollute. Uh, you can't. You're fined basically if you come in. There's not even an option. So if there's like a gigantic accident in Glasgow, uh, and they need like some really heavy duty recovery stuff, so you've got a call on that to go in, to go and clear up the mess. It's done forty two thousand miles in twenty odd years. It hardly does anything. Yeah. And they would fi- that truck would get fined for going in there. <laughs> but it's uh, it's um, absolutely ri- ridiculous. But 
that truck that they told me they paid £180,000 for it second hand. Wow. So it shows you the amount of money that's in, that's involved in specialist recovery equipment and mm. like how long it can last. You know, there's simply no need to replace it with something more modern because it'll last forever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. uh, uh, cracking, yeah, or just uh, cracking big thing. I do, I do like those version ones. Uh, so hopefully, it's going to be that's going to be shaping up to be a good weekend. And of course, yeah, one of the ones that round uh, uh, rounds the season off is Sweet Fest as well, which is always a popular event. Yes, at the it's sort not of not far two, from you. That's going yeah, to be one very of the closest close to ones me. To you. Yeah, it's two weeks after the retro show. Um, I know that there's some. Um, stuff coming over from the Netherlands that hasn't been seen in this country before um, I can't say anymore uh, and I it was looking like I was going to miss it but I think I'm going to be home for the weekend now because I think I've got a trip to Montenegro again in the van but I think uh-huh. that I think I'll hopefully be leaving on the Monday uh, after Swedefest because I can't do customs over the weekend in Calais so and I'm working the week mm. before, so I might as well just leave Monday and I can go to Swedefest then, which will be brilliant because it's, yeah, it's another absolutely cracking show. Um, the standard of stuff there is fantastic. I mean, the, the big difference between the two is obviously the Retro is open to anything and Swedefest is obviously Swedish vehicles. Um, and the Retro is not judged. It's just, you know, you bring along whatever. doesn't matter what condition it's in. People just like to see it. And the atmosphere at both of them is just absolutely brilliant I, I'm really looking forward to to the retro because I'm going to be there for the whole weekend whereas Swedefest I'll just go for the day if I'm presumably still home so um, and I know that the retro there I believe is another iconic classic show truck that hasn't been out in donkey's years that's going to go along but I'm not going to say any more because I've been asked right. not to say anything and if this does go out before it I'm not blowing the lid on it <laughs> <laughs> but... yeah so, but yeah, it, I, I've new. seen on social media as well that it has sold out for vehicle entrance. Uh, I don't know if it's ever done that before or not. I should have asked Lee before we before we talked. But um, that's pretty impressive if it's completely rammed out, you know, with with vehicles. I mean, a few people gripe about the modern stuff being there because there is quite a lot of modern stuff. But from their point of view, do you turn away modern stuff to have an empty field because people aren't entering the old stuff, or you know, do you have to? Let, turn away potential older vehicles because you've booked in guaranteed people who've put their money where their mouth oh. is because it's it's a it's a bit similar with this, the driver cpc there's going to be a mad rush right at the end next year when everyone's thinking oh i haven't done anything about it and i've got to do five days now we've had five five years to prepare for it it's a bit like the retro show you know it's coming around you know if you can go just get yourself booked in nice and early it's, I, I don't I get it. With, makes with, sense. Yeah, I get it. With, you know, not everybody knows that if they're going to be about for certain or not. But I mean, I think it costs a tenner. It's not really going to break the bank entering, is it? Let's be honest. No, no. <laughs> but what's a tenner these days? I tell you, what, tell you what, I was in. It might be twenty. It might be twenty quid. I, I could be wrong. But even still. It's £3.75 for a large Costa out one of those machines in the services now. Yeah. For like a bit of hot water and a spoonful of coffee, you know. So what's a tenner? Yeah, a, I think it. I, I think it's twenty quid. But even still, twenty quid is like you say. There's what five yeah, yeah. five coffees. It's not. It's not. 
it's not much, is it's, it? No, I just found that I just found that the price of that like outrageous. And people, well, when people complain about the price, it was talking about cost of living. Eh? Like the the yeah. price of things like tickets or things like that, or the magazine because the magazine went because we put the price up a little bit for like the bumper issues and that. You know, it's like you know, and they're like, oh, you know, a fiver. Yeah, that's a ridiculous fiver. Yeah, it's got a hundred and like you know. It's like a hundred and thirty odd pages of um of a uh, you know content and professional photography and that that would take you hours yeah. to go and go and read, and uh, it's three pound seventy five for some hot water for you know, a rubbish coffee. Like, yeah, whereas you can get yeah, go for, to, for a rubbish go to, coffee. Like yeah. I, I am go, go to yeah, a snack van, get one for a quid. Yeah, well, yeah, I was up and down the road yesterday in the car doing. I've written did a podcast with John McGuinness. Um, oh yeah, motorcycle legend uh, yeah. who was um, doing some stuff, and I went in and I got myself a coffee, and I was like, "Yeah, that is a rip." I'm like, "That's the last time I'm doing that because it doesn't matter if you're out in the lorry. It doesn't matter because you've either got the kettle or the stove or you know, or the truck's got a built-in coffee making machine in it." Yeah, and I was like, "No, nah, I need to remember when I'm charging up and down the road in the car doing my business miles from now on. Get the gas stove with me. I've had enough. I'm not paying that. That is." drawing the line that for there that three pound seventy five gas stove jar, jar of coffee yeah sorted can't go wrong. That can't go much wrong. much cheaper i've got to go and make yep. cutbacks uh, and economy economy savings somehow you know <laughs> but we've got yeah it's, we have been uh, speaking of swedish stuff we've got the volvo special coming up yeah month after next um i was just seeking out an fh we're looking for an fh 16 yeah, uh, specifically for that, and we have found a nice new one. But of course, the good thing about whenever I put a shout out on social media, we always get loads more inquiries for feature material yep. going forward for that as well. So we've got some, uh, yeah, some lovely stuff lined up for the um, forthcoming issues of the magazine. Quite excited. Excellent. Any uh, any news on the uh, older British truck one? Because I know Roger Hastings will be asking me next time I speak to him. <laughs> um, no, there was something happened with that. That is going to be one for early next year, that because right. we've now gone through and done the manufacturer button, so we can leave a little bit of a gap with things as well. But I need to go and finalise a list of who's going to be who's going to be the features on it. We've actually got seaways going in the next issue of the magazine. Yeah. Um. But I was trying to work. I was trying to work it out. Like, what would be the best way to go and um, we, because we can do some features on the guys that are still like, running them here and there. But I would. I'd kind of like. I wanted and thinking to myself that I would like to go and like dash around the country and go and visit like loads of them and like zigzag over a map. Yeah. And things to go and see as many of them as I could in a week. Yeah, uh, and go and do it, you know, and I'll go and do it, and like that, uh, and like one of my Cavaliers as well. So I'm doing something that's been built in Luton. Yeah, you know, it's a bit of British, British action. Yeah, with, with that, so we've got, you know, there's 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 Ayers. Yeah, obviously got a lot of them. There's M Edwards. I've got quite a few of them. Then you've got the blue ones, Turners. Turners of Hull. Yeah, Turners of Hull. You've got Seaways. They're kind of, they're also the, your Barretts of Oldham have kind of got rid of most of theirs, I think, because of the Eulies yeah threats that they had. Up, up here, you've still got Taylor and Morrison are still running a good few up here, mm-hmm. even though they're getting they're getting a, a bit rarer here here and there. But certainly on the Arctic, the Arctic front, he's still got a good few of them running on. They just keep plodding on forever. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I'd love to work that out. No, but for definite, we have done four manufacturer specials this year. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that that would leave Renault, Mercedes, and Iveco. Uh, and I don't know if, if um, we could. Do, but I mean, we could do a whole special issue in any 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 of those trucks as well. It depends if the manufacturers themselves want to get involved with it. Want to get involved with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, we might we might do, but that that was one. But we're going to do owner drivers as well. But we held it back. We try and space out the bumper issues because they mm-hmm. are like an extra um, thirty two pages in them. So it's like extra work to to yeah. put them all together. So we tend we tend to try. We're trying to do a normal sized hundred page issue and then a bigger one, and they keep kind of alternating them like that. Mm-hmm. We'll probably um have, maybe have a cut. Cut it, but just a few normal ones right over like Christmas. But yeah, at the start of the year, um, we should have that that Brit truck one going out, and I'm going to be really curious as to how that does because there's not a lot out there in terms of print media for British trucks anymore. No, um, you've got like uh, so your classic and vintage commercials, but that kind of covers a lot of the older stuff as well, and we don't really like cover that. The stuff we're focusing on is. Alphas, ECs, you know, for the Ford Cargos, you know, a bit of um, the odd said and the odd said and the later spec said Nikons and Stratos and yep. stuff like that. But I mean, it is, yeah, times, uh, times, times rolling on for these trucks. Yeah, it these is. trucks now, you know, the the threats, are, the the threats um, of the the zones and things. But one thing's for sure that they just don't. Well, you can see it with the Africans and uh, over there. They just the 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 good old simplicity of the setup of the Cummins, you know, fuller drive line. It just keeps going and going. Keep tr- they just keep trundling on. Yeah. Uh, forever, never. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. So. Aye. Yeah. So anyway, that's us on the forty-five minute mark now. So. Right. Any other any other business? No, just to say I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed your chat. Uh, was it last week, the week before? I, uh, George Bennett, yeah. With George Bennett. That was so interesting, I found, insightful, and I'm really looking forward to this book coming out, especially if there's photos in there. I think that'll be quite a cracking thing to read. Yes, yeah. and you've got the opportunity to... Well, well, you, you, you can read some of the book. It's previewed in the magazine, and there's also the opportunity to win copies of it. If you missed that podcast, please go back and listen to it. George Bennett was the launch editor of Truck and Driver, and he also worked on Truck magazine during the 1970s. Um, and he cut his teeth um, driving trucks uh, to Europe, so a very interesting... Uh, character lives in America yes. now. Uh, George does, and we might well get him back on the podcast again to Ooh, yeah, uh, talk yep. about some more of yeah. his experience. His experiences. We recorded that face to face because he was over in the UK visiting family. Yeah, but obviously we're zooming things like that. You know, we can record it remotely, which yeah. is what we do with the remote majority of these podcasts. Anyway, yeah, we've had some good feedback on that podcast. So yeah, glad to hear it. George will be delighted to hear that as hear that as well. Excellent. Right, cool. Thank you very much, Matt. Enjoy the rest of your evening outside with the dogs. I will do, mate. And uh, yeah, uh, once again, just a thank you to everybody who messages with kind words about this podcast. Um, 
hopefully I'll see you at the retro or possibly Swede Fest. You know, come say hello. <clears throat> I'll probably be quite shy, but I won't bite. I promise. So, um, yeah, thank you, everybody. <laughs> Uh, no worries. Oh yeah, and I'll let us know what your ad blue consumption is. Yes, yes. <laughs> but but, but we'll, we'll talk about that at the bar at the retro, possibly. <laughs> I'll try and make some notes. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Right. Cool. Catch you later. Lovely. Cheers, Dougie. Speak to you soon. Right. Ta-da. Right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month.